Well, I want to welcome you to the first of what we're hoping is many uh, podcasts. Uh, this is the Santa Monica Airport Association's podcast, and we're still we're still kind of working on a name, uh, and we'll maybe we'll come up with something during our first conversation here. But I think for the you know our real goal with this podcast is to give listeners um, not only a sense of uh, the history of our airport. Uh, but more importantly, an opportunity to to dive deeper into the issues um, that are affecting the residents uh, of Santa Monica and the users of the airport. This is a complicated topic and one that is difficult to address in our public forums where you're really limited to two minutes of public comment. So we're going to pick topics, try and, you know, peel the onion a bit, give you guys a sense of um kind of what's happening at the airport, uh, both from an operational standpoint, all the great things that are going on, and give you some context to the legal challenges and the city's ongoing attempts to close the airport. So my name's Christian Fry. I'm the president of the Santa Monica Airport Association, and I have two of our board members with me today, Mark Smith. Hi, Mark. Hey, hi, Christian. Welcome to be here. Fantastic. And Bill Warden. Hi, Bill. Good morning, Christian. Well, uh, so, you know, I think with a place to start for people, we were kind of uh, visiting uh, with our sound guy, uh, Marcelino, and, and he was saying, well, I don't know anything about the airport. And Bill and I were kind of chatting about where do we begin? And I think for, for viewers or listeners, I guess, we're, we don't have viewers on this thing, uh, giving them a sense of, of the history of the airport would be really valuable. Um, so why don't we talk a little bit about that? Uh, I know... Our airport is one of the oldest uh, airports in the nation, um, and it depends on who you talk to, right, Bill, about when we were founded? Oh, pretty much. I mean, documentation for early airports is always sketchy. The, uh, the earliest anybody seems to have uh, that's documented is uh, Cecil B. DeMille mentioning flying here when he was uh, trying to get into the Army Air Corps and before. So somewhere around 1915, approximately, this field was being used uh, for aircraft. And in, in fact, as early as 1912, people were flying airplanes into their own property here in the city. That's amazing. So if you look at the city's uh, airport website, they they quote the beginning at 1917. So without question, we're at least 100 years old uh, this year. And one of the earliest tenants and probably one of the most important tenants at this airport for many years was the Douglas uh, Aircraft Company. Um, and it looks like, according to city records, that was back in the 20s when they first showed up here. Does that sound about right? Yeah, that's about right. Uh, Donald Douglas had started up on Wilshire Boulevard at what's now called Douglas Park. And uh, after the city purchased uh, the land for the airport with a park bond so that the city could have an airport, uh, Douglas moved down and began developing his Douglas Aircraft Company here. And I think uh, as we look to do more of these podcasts, we'll we'll touch on history as kind of an ongoing theme because it's a really big part of uh, this aviation's past, present, and certainly the future. So we'll, we'll always do a little bit of that. How, how do you feel actually, about that? Actually, yeah, uh, I think it's probably appropriate to mention here that uh, we've been talking about the history in this airport. Uh, I think a lot of people... <clears throat> don't realize that the airport is under siege, that this great asset is actually um, earmarked for destruction by the city council here in the city of Santa Monica. 
they uh, they are suggesting that they have a mandate to do that, but it's not clear at all that the citizens of uh, Santa Monica as a whole want to see that happen. There's never been a referendum of any kind. The last time the citizens of this city spoke, uh, two-thirds of the registered voters approved the park bond to buy the airport land for an airport. So uh, the, under, the undergoing, uh, the undercurrent here is that this airport with its history and its vital infrastructure role is under siege. And, uh, and if this current city government has its way, will be destroyed. So here we go. This is, I think, it is important to remember that the people that may be listening are potentially unaware of this. Uh, Mark's pointed out what an incredible asset this is, transportation asset. And our city is effectively, has been working diligently uh, to try and close this facility for almost 30 years. So w- if we close the airport, Mark, w- wouldn't that be a good thing for the residents? Would they, would, would they get some benefit out of the airport disappearing? I think there's a very short-sighted vision of what the benefit would be of closing the airport. The, the benefit would be to the people who live directly around the airport, their land value would go up by some degree. Uh, you, there is no money to turn it into a park. It would make a great homeless shelter. Maybe that would replace the library as being a daytime homeless shelter in Santa Monica. But the 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 value of this land is really in real estate. This is an old-fashioned land gap grab, or an old-fashioned land grab that is worth billions of dollars. But it's short-sighted because in the future, you will still need a port of some sort. You will still need infrastructure to move people around. And in the future, you're going to have aircraft that are going to be quieter and will not pollute. So this is a very short-term vision. So the, the short-term part you're referring to is a lot of the, the, the people that live right at the, you know, under the flight path of the airport uh, really have kind of a trifecta of complaints that, that I've heard over the years, right? They complain about noise, they complain about pollution, and they complain about the risk of an accident. Right. Although we've had an absolutely exemplary safety record over the last hundred years, that fear that they put out is that there there could be an accident. So you mentioned that the future of aviation is evolving. Right. So we're moving in just as with cars and everything else. We're moving away from fossil fuels and piston powered uh, machines to electric. And do you think that does that alleviate some of the problems or concerns that people, the short-term issues that people have around the airport? Obviously, airplanes make noise and they burn fossil fuels in our our current state of evolution. And obviously, that will change. And it, it 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 will always change. It will always evolve. So we will move into an electric based or hybrid based propulsion system for aircraft. And it will alleviate the noise. It will alleviate the pollution. Well, those electric systems are much more reliable than the piston ones. So you you definitely minimize the safety concerns. Absolutely, Christian. It's less moving parts. That's right. So, And it's a more reliable system. So I, I think a lot of these concerns will be addressed as time moves on. And, uh, you know, it, it's just, it just boggles my mind that, that you're going to attack an asset that is invaluable. Uh, I think we've been we've been blessed with beautiful weather, uh, uh, beautiful beaches, 
and no natural disasters. Uh, I, you know, my background is journalism. I've spent a lot of time traveling the world. And so as a journalist, I end up going to natural disasters. And the difference in suffering between a city that has an airport and a city that doesn't have an airport is astronomical. You, you end up with much more displeasure, death, and destruction when you don't have the asset of an airport. Well, you know, it's funny. You listen to people, Bill, talk about this issue in, you know, when we're debating the airport and say, oh, that's hogwash. And Mark has made reference to uh, people's belief that the Navy will come with hovercraft at the beach to uh, provide relief to this community. Um, does that make any sense to you? I mean, <laughs> well, there are. A 150-foot cliff at the beach, which makes it interesting logistically to bring in things at the ocean. But, um, no, I mean, we only have certain ways to get around the planet. You either go on the surface in a car or a railroad using roadways or rail or tracks, or you use canals or the ocean or lakes with boats, or you fly. That's how you get around. There's no other way to move things. Santa Monica has an airport that that makes them the envy of many cities in the country. And as time goes on, there's no land available around cities to make an airport. Nobody can afford to remove housing and industry to put an airport back in a developed city. Uh, The idea that a city government would scrap a third of their transportation potential for any reason, is uh, it's just astounding. There are cities all over this country that would love to have an airport. So let, let's talk about this one for a second, because I think this is really a fascinating topic. If, you, if you're so short-sighted that you're going to throw away, effectively, a piece of transportation infrastructure because of short-term concerns about the power or the way that we're powering the machines and the issue around noise, both of which have gotten better over the years. We've gotten greener, less pollutants coming out of the machines, engines, they're quieter, and this will continue. But if you throw the transportation asset away for that, for those reasons, you lose all of the future benefits and actually the real tangible benefits that exist today. It, it seems like from a municipal standpoint, like a crazy decision. I mean, if we look back at the history of Los Angeles, when has giving up a major piece of transportation infrastructure to development, which is exactly what's being discussed here, whether it's the, the you know, pie in the sky idea of a park or what will likely be here, is it a blow up of the mixed use reality at the airport? So more office, more housing, it'll just become a, a new neighborhood with more of everything. How, you know, when is giving up a transportation asset like that ever worked? The red line comes to mind for me. And a lot of longtime Los Angelinos will remember that, that, you know, it was what became clear a collusion between the tire manufacturers and the big auto manufacturers to get rid of public transit so that people in Los Angeles had to drive cars. I mean, you know that story, Mark. Well, let's let's follow up on that, Christian, because the expo line that goes from Santa Monica to basically to downtown through, through a couple of stops or a couple of interchanges, the only reason that we were able to install this railway is because a railway right-of-way existed for basically 100 years. In other words, the land that that train 
travels that that train was built on had been preserved for a hundred years as a right of way that the, that the land could be reacquired to reinstall a railway that existed a hundred years ago. If they had allowed that land to be developed with high rises or whatever, or other infrastructure and given away that land, there is no way you can install a railway unless you elevated it or tunneled underground. And there were sections they had to rebuy. They didn't keep it all, right? I mean, it was a very expensive thing to buy certain sections of that line because they were short-sighted in some communities. Right. So if you give up this airport for whatever reason, for development, for mixed use, it's gone for quite a long period of time until such time that you have so much traffic on the ground and that, that there becomes a will to reverse that. And I think, you know, history has shown an ebb and, an ebb and a flow. Uh, it, it would really take a major national disaster or 150 years of development before people realize that, oh, we need an airport. And then what do you do? You, you could theoretically build one out in the ocean, I would imagine. We could build our own little island uh, next to the pier. Yeah. I mean, at some point, you're going to need infrastructure. Even getting to the airport today, or even getting around Santa Monica today, traffic is 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 oh, become it's, unbearable. It's bad as ever, right? Well, you know, at some point in our conversations, uh, probably not today, but we need to examine the basic arguments as well that are, are given. It's obvious that the infrastructure the airport represents is very valuable, but it's not at all obvious that... Uh, the airport represents any uh, real hazard to people who live around it. Uh, we, do not, we don't have clusters of sickness related to pollution. There's absolutely no evidence of that. Uh, we don't have, uh, we're one of the quietest airports in the country, so you can't really say that it's noise. Uh, and people do fear air crashes and uh, people fear all sorts of things. But if you look at the history of the airport in a hundred years, no one in the city of Santa Monica who wasn't in an airplane has been killed or seriously injured by an airplane. Ever. Uh, uh, hundred years, right. It's, it's always possible, but like everything else, you have to assess what you're risking and what you're getting. I would well, say a hundred years a of point, economy. The, the cost benefit, right? There's, there's both. Well, it's certainly, and you always have to do that. You know, you can't say why. If only one life is saved, we should destroy this or that asset. Everything has a cost. You have to assess. Uh, in this, in, you know, in the period of time that there have been people injured flying here at Santa Monica, but not citizens on the ground. Uh, Hundreds and hundreds of people have been killed and badly injured in car accidents. Santa Monica is the unsafest city in the state of California for a pedestrian or a driver. Uh, yeah, this is that's a that's a thing that just was published in the last few months and is a fact. Yeah. So if you're up to your armpits and alligators, you have to figure out what's important and what isn't. And a lot of what we've been hearing are are things that make sense uh, in the abstract. You know, pollution, obviously, if you're breathing dirty air or drinking uh, contaminated water, that's a bad thing. Um, but, you know, to say, for example, people say, well, no amount of lead is safe. Well, that's probably true. But, of course, lead is an environmental product. It's there whether we manufacture it and use it or not. It's always a matter of degree. You have to think these things through. What is the benefit? What is the cost? What well, is the lifetime risk? You know, when you when you talk about uh, 
that kind of risk return equation, right? It's very interesting that our city is not having the kind of debate that you're referring to, Bill, which is look at the benefits, look at the costs, and decide in an informed way about what's best for the future of this community. Sure, I think they've done their cost-benefit analysis looking at the short term, how much money they can make redeveloping the land is against uh, how much flack they'll get from the citizens. But but that appears to be the only, you know, kind of uh, uh, factor in the equation is the value of this airport as something else. You know, and Mark, when we talk about the airport commission, and you mentioned this, you know, that airport commission for at least as far as I'm aware, at least the last 20 to 25 years, uh, it's appointees by city council. Right. And they're charged with advising the city council on all things airport. But that commission has not had a user of our airport, uh, a pilot who actually uses the airport uh, on the commission for 20 to 25 years. It's it's all people who've already made up their mind that the airport is better as something else. And so they're working diligently to close the airport. Is that is that true? Is that a fair? Well, I think the airport commission is un- is not unique in 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 political circles, but it it is startling that the airport commission is made up of members that not only do not know how to run a commission of any sort, they procedurally, they're, they're inept. And when it comes to aviation knowledge, they're completely and 100% ignorant. And in fact, don't even visit the airport, don't even fly out of the airport and don't have any knowledge of, aviation in any way, shape, or form. I mean, this to me is, is it, it, it's really laughable and sad for me as a 20-year resident that you have a commission. I mean, we have a women's commission in this city. Are there women on that commission, do you uh, think? Yeah, obviously. I know we have a, an architectural review board, Bill. Do, 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 are there architects on it that? It has architects by law well, because it's a, review, it's a review board for architecture. What do you know about sense. that? So how how is a commission supposed to advise about such a viable and, I mean, this is a busy airport serving the businesses and individuals of this community every day. And what you just described, how, how, how does that make sense to a voter of the city? Why would, our, why would our politicians, for as long as we have an airport, not want a good airport commission? Well, it, it's really interesting because this airport has been, has been hammered with fake information uh, derived from the airport commission and from city staff. City staff said that the airport's responsible for 2% of the pollution in Santa Monica. It's actually responsible for less than 0.1% of the pollution. Oh, wait, I want to just stop for a second on that one because the, the staff says they take every gallon of gas that is sold here at the airport. And that number is implying that every gallon of gas sold is burned in the sky over Santa Monica. I mean, that's absurd. The airplane takes off and flies away. How can you say that every gallon they bought here was burned here? That makes no sense. So that staff report was not corrected. And then just yesterday, we had an airport commission with two members that presented reports that were factually incorrect in every, in almost every way, shape, or form. So, a- you know, I think that, that, again, when we go back to this idea of we have this asset, that is clearly valuable. And I think the, the Mark's touched on it, the value of this airport in, in the uh, horrible, if we really needed it in a natural disaster or a man-made uh, accident of some sort, I think is 
it's it's real. There is a real benefit to having an airport in your community. And we can look to a bajillion examples around the world. We have revenue that's generated at this airport, tax dollars that are real. Now, according to the city, I know that uh, the last study that was done in 2011 said that the direct economic impact of the airport was over a quarter of a billion dollars a year. And that was at the height of the Great Recession. So there's before Silicon Beach, before Silicon Beach, real tangible benefits. And I mean, we even had the opportunity to have a small uh, uh, air carrier come here and provide little uh, 30 seat jet, which is no bigger than the the, uh, corporate aircraft that fly here that would have served our community flights to Vegas, uh, Silicon Valley and Mammoth. And the city paid this guy a quarter of a million dollars to stay away. I mean, I just don't understand the rationale. We're not doing what Bill described. We're not doing the cost-benefit analysis. We've we've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, and the, the people are being hoodwinked with these bad— We've thrown the baby out with the bathwater, and, and we're paying kidnappers to do it in, yeah. in, with, with a huge sum of money. You just pointed out they paid JetSuite $250,000. They paid a flight school $450,000 to go away. They've spent over $25 million in legal fees to fight about this airport. They, the, the, the city will, will go to great lengths to basically blow out the bank account in trying to destroy the airport. It is, actually, it is remarkable how much money they've wasted in destroy. And also, they're, they're not even renting the properties that are on the airport, so they're foregoing income. See, and I, this is going to be interesting, and, and this is probably, for me, the reason that we're sitting here today. Uh, these are very complicated things to some degree to really get into the minutiae and the detail. But when you just listen to the things you just said, and the city in uh, – uh, we've got a couple of pieces of ongoing litigation that are happening around the airport. Uh, the users uh, have really attempted to hold the city's feet to the fire through legal action. Uh, And one of the ways that we do that is to complain to the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, when we think our landlord is doing things that are wrong. So I know you were involved in unearthing the facts around this illegal accounting. And the city actually admitted to the FAA that they did, in fact, uh, cook the books, right? This is correct. There's still an ongoing legal action to rectify the the uh, cooking of the books, as you put it. Uh, and this is just a, a willful attempt to make the airport look like it's not making money and to implement landing fees to discourage use of the airport. So, you know, I think, again, it, it, we, we have such an interesting kind of general theme here. If we think about our 100-year-old municipal airport and all of its tangible, real benefits to the users, to the community at large, both Santa Monica and the county of Los Angeles, the state of California, and the nation of the United States, this is a real viable asset. We have the costs of this asset, as Bill pointed out, right? And there is an impact to airport operations, just like a freeway or a road. We have some noise and pollution and potential risks of accidents. Those things are true. And we do an exemplary job of managing those. But this trying to come up with, as a community, a real conversation about those pros and cons and decide the future of the airport. Effectively, our city has decided 
the future for us by cooking the books, making it appear insolvent. And we know they had a stated strangulation tactic here for many years. Is that true? It's true, and it's it's still ongoing. And you know, just to add to your your point about their strategy, I think they're also <clears throat> ignoring the science because if you do close this airport, well, this is a very popular thing lately. If you do close the airport and you free up the airspace surrounding this airport, and where I live, I live about a mile from the airport, and the airplanes that I hear on on a continual basis and on a much greater basis, do not come from the Santa Monica airport. They're actually LAX traffic that's flying over my home, over Santa Monica, at about 7,000 feet, which is just a little over a mile. If you remove the airport, those airplanes will be lower. And I can assure you that those airplanes will be heard by all of Santa Monica, not just the people who live next to the Santa Monica airport. So I find the LAX traffic much more annoying at my house, which is less than a mile from the Santa Monica airport, than I do the Santa Monica airport traffic. So, so you're referring to, I think, again, another real and tangible benefit that the airport provides to the community that most people are completely blissfully unaware of. And that's the value of, uh, as the city has described it, our protective dome of airspace. Is that right? That's correct. I mean, even at the airport commission meeting yesterday, the police officer who was keeping the, the uh, city chamber safe realizes that LAX traffic will be lower if the airport closes and all of Santa Monica will be crying a storm saying, wait, 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 what happened? How, why do we have all this extra traffic, you know, all this extra noise, and why weren't we, we, we told about it? See, and I think this is, a, it, it's really an interesting thing because that, the, the reality of the airspace in Los Angeles, people don't fully appreciate Simply closing our airport does not eliminate the airplanes overhead. I mean, you're making a, a bigger point, but it, it, people need to understand that if our airport closes, that traffic doesn't just vaporize. It's still in the air. Your risk of an airplane, quote unquote, falling on your head is still real. There's thousands of airplanes transiting the LA airspace every day. Let's just do the math, okay? In the Santa Monica airport, you have about 190 to 110 operations a day. So, And that's it? It's just, it's 100-ish a day? About that. Yeah. So LAX flies over 550 airplanes over Santa Monica every day on what's called the 86 arrival. So you have over 550 airplanes at about between six and a half to seven and a half thousand feet about a mile, a little over a mile over the top of Santa Monica. If they can cut their approach through our airspace and land sooner at the at LAX, they save on fuel, they save on time. It's a it's a benefit for for the for the air transportation system. Saves them fuel. Saves them fuel, saves them money. But it will increase noise to the Santa Monica community as a whole, because now you have airplanes that are basically a, a mile or less over their homes, over everybody's homes. So it, we're, we're just, there's ignorance of the science. This is all politics. This is all drama. And it, the issue is confused. Yeah, I, I think the thing for me, and uh, we're, we were just joined by another uh, board member uh, of ours. This is David Peters. Hi, David. Greetings. Yeah, so we'll, we'll, we'll talk with you in a second. But I think this, this idea, once again, we are not in this community having a real informed debate 
about the cost benefit analysis of keeping or closing this airport. This airspace, it's a complicated topic, but it is real. And the removal of that airspace, you know, and I know there's another component to the airspace uh, question. And we do, we're, we're, we're going to uh, put some links up with the uh, podcast here today. We've got some videos that'll help describe visually what Mark is, is referring to about the, uh, the protective dome of airspace uh, around Santa Monica Airport. But one of the other benefits is you can't build giant buildings near an airport. You know, we don't want airplanes running into high rises. Uh, well, what happens if you get rid of the airspace in that regard? Well, then you can you have unrestricted building, basically. I mean, but Mark, the, Santa Monica would never allow that. They would never allow a high rise building. I, I, that's just utter. I don't know. I, I, well, see, I, 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 my response to that would be everything on the other side of Bundy, which is the main road on the the east side of our airport. The other side of that street is L.A. So wouldn't the city of Los Angeles be interested in allowing high-rise development along the 405, for example, which they can't build now because it's right in our, our flight path? In Washington, D.C., there's a restriction on, on height that every building has to be lower than the Washington Monument. We have no such restrictions here other than the protective dome that this airport provides because it's an operational airspace of an airport. You remove that and... God help us, there'll be unrestricted building. Well, and, and you don't think the city of Los Angeles would like to take a single tax parcel lot, tilt up an 80-story high-rise, and have hundreds of multi-million dollar homes they're collecting taxes on? I think that I think uh, governments become addicted to money. I know Santa Monica is addicted to money because they spend it willy-nilly on trying to close the airport, spending millions and millions of dollars. So if they're spending millions, you know, Let's just say they're spending $25 million a year on closing the airport or losing $25 million because they're not supporting the airport. If they're willing to have a, a negative cost benefit of this airport for the for the, the short term or the long term for the next 10 years, then what do they think they're going to gain at the end of that time period? They must think that they're going to gain $250 million, $350 million. Billions? They're going to gain billions, as David saying. So, I, you know, I, are they completely foolish? No. Are they ignorant of the facts? Obviously. So the real question is, what do we do as a community to ensure that this disaster does not take place? So I, I think that's really well put. So David has joined us. What, uh, what, what, what do you think about all this, Mr. Peters? Well, it's, you know, to me, it seems that today the people of Santa Monica and the west side of Los Angeles are suffering the consequences of a policy of willful ignorance. I mean, here you have an airport commission whose job it is to advise the city council, look at their charter, that's what it says, on airport operations. And it has been for years focused solely on closing the airport, not a not on successfully managing the airport for the city's benefit and the people's benefit. It's all about closing the airport. They're, they're ignorant and they're proud of it. They, they just don't care. And, you know, willful ignorance is we're reaping that today with uh, the current administration in Washington. And it's, you know, it doesn't bode well for anyone. It's, it runs along the lines of anti-science thinking. 
and it's it's voodoo. It's, uh, you know, we'll be throwing people in pits, and if they float to the top, then they're a witch. If they drown and sink to the bottom, then they're cool. They're, they're, everything was okay with them. So that we're, we've entered into this era, and it's frightening. Yeah, I, but, th- that's really well said. Willful ignorance. It's kind of the theme of, it really is a good theme for us to kind of talk about today. It's really what but, we're talking about, this whole thing, willful but, ignorance. Well, John, the, can I, I mention... Uh, Mr. Stein, he's a lawyer who's leading the or was leading the charge against the airport. He's come out publicly and acknowledged the fact that he's a developer and he's been buying property in the area based count, you know, counting on the fact that the airport's going to close and the property values are going to go up. Sure, okay, it's understandable where this is at a, you know, where we live in a capitalist country and a culture and you know, if you own property, you have a right to profit from it. But to exploit a situation to increase your profitability at the expense of the greater good, that's where it becomes a question. Well, this is just, it's, it's an old-fashioned land grab. I don't know how else to put it. it, it this is, nothing's changed over the history of, of, uh, of, of greed, so one other thing I wanted to add in the, term, the willful ignorance department is that a lot of people who they've managed to enlist or muster or aggravate and irritate about the airport have no understanding of what happens in the sky above them other than it's an irritant. So the, again, the traffic flying overhead that goes into LAX, a lot of people who are calling the airport when they hear an airplane overhead, they're calling about commercial aircraft that are flying into LA and that we live under the busiest corridor. All the traffic comes from Asia, from Northern California, from Canada. It all flies over us into LAX. It's the busiest corridor corridor in the country. It's busier than any of the corridors into Kennedy or into Reagan, any of the East coast airports None of them are as busy as this corridor. That's a fact. You can look it up. You know how to do it. Not an alternative factor, an actual fact. Yeah, it's an actual fact. And so we're talking about over 550 flights a day that fly over us. And you're right. They're coming from Taipei. They're coming from Japan. Right. They're coming from Seattle. Well, and all the GA traffic. I mean, there's a lot of transiting aircraft that overfly our airspace headed north or south. Or I mean, there's just all sorts of airplanes, not just even the LAX traffic. Yeah, there's Kim Jong-un will be of- following that flight path when he comes in to visit uh, President Trump. And the pollution, I'm, I would just want to throw in something because uh, there are people that live on the east end of the runway who complain constantly about black soot and stuff on their cars and furniture and the tops of their heads, and it's all generated by the airport. The reality is Bundy, anybody that traverses Bundy going to and from work or during the day, Bundy's packed. It's packed with cars. It's packed with buses. It's packed with trucks. And all those vehicles ride on rubber tires. Well, rubber tires, if anybody knows, it's science. Rubber tires shed rubber particles as a nature, as how they wear. And those particles go someplace. They go onto the street and then they're kicked up by cars that drive by. So it's not only just the exhaust emissions that are covering things with soot, but it's rubber tires, rubber degrading. Oh, and brake dust. 
again, brake dust, all kinds of stuff. And I just want to point out one other thing while I'm on the subject of uh, soot and debris. The, uh, people who live on the east side who have citrus trees, they go out and they look at their trees and they see black soot on it. And they go, oh, my God, this is from the airport. Damn you, airport. Well, the reality is that what you're looking at on your leaves is called sooty mold. If you went to an arborist and asked them about it, that's what they would tell you. And it's treatable. You have to spray the plant with water, which doesn't work when you live in a drought place, or you spray it with an oil that kills the mold. The, the mold. But it's, a, it's called sooty mold, sooty mold because it looks like soot, but it doesn't have anything to do with cars, trucks, airplanes, ships, or trains. Well, I have that at my house. I have to clean my, I live a mile from the airport and I, and I live ooh, maybe a quarter mile from the I-10 freeway. So I can assure you that the soot that falls on my citrus plants and on my property is not from the Santa Monica airport, but from the LA basin. But I mean, I think this comes back again. If we have an incredibly valuable transportation asset like the airport, there are costs and there are benefits. And the real issue here is as a community, can we debate those costs and benefits in an honest, thorough forum or not? And the reality is we have a city that is hell-bent on leather to close the airport. They don't want to have a debate. And they give us all of these facts that are actually in most situations are completely false, as you mentioned with the airport commission. You mean alternative facts. I I didn't want to use that phrase, but yeah. And I think this is the big thing. It's certainly been the issue for me as I got engaged. As you start listening, if you know anything about the reality at the airport here, when you listen to the city, you think, wait a minute, that that doesn't even make any sense. It is interesting that uh, that we're we're really living in a we're we're continuing to live in an age of misinformation when it comes to the, the Santa Monica Airport and and uh, at some point uh, we we hope to alleviate uh, the the ignorance with the introduction of some education and facts. Yeah, and that's sort of gonna that's gonna be the goal of this podcast is you know we'll bring in some people that really know about this topic and. Our goal is to try and educate you, the user, about the facts here and allow you to draw your own conclusions about the value of this asset uh, for yourself. Bill, did you have something you wanted to add? Yes, I, I think probably the theme that we're going to explore a lot is who are the stakeholders in this airport and what is at stake? It's a huge question. It's much bigger than people right close to the airport. It's bigger than the city of Santa Monica itself. It brings in questions of what is enlightened self-interest for a community? Who benefits? What is the long-term versus the short-term? It's not rocket science. It can be worked out by the average person, but you need a bit of data and you need to think about the implications of what's going on. And you have to think about motivations and what could be behind current policy. No, very well said. And I think, you know, this is, uh, we'll, we'll wrap up this pod, this version, our first, our inaugural version of the SMAA podcast. But I think it's really, as Bill just stated, it, are, it is our goal to try and shed some light uh, for listeners about on this co- complex topic um, before it's too late, because our city is, you know, full throttle. Uh, towards the disposal and redevelopment of this asset. And it's continuing to spend tens of millions of dollars of your tax money uh, 
uh, on that that fight. Uh, anything you want to add, Mark, before we call it a day? I, I think it's important to to reach out to the community and talk with users of the airport and talk with airport staff and to do your own research uh, uh, and educate yourself about the value and the importance uh, of having an airport in your community. Well said. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to uh, listen to our pod, our inaugural podcast. Uh, our goal is to do one of these each month. Uh, so we'll look forward to visiting with you again uh, next month. So that's it. Thanks, everybody.